Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. This is Marissa and I'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. First up on the show, we will be speaking with Dylan Voller, one of the courageous young men who went to the Royal Commission about the atrocities that happened in Dondale Youth Detention Centre. Dylan joined us very briefly last week in this, um, uh, like live in the studio by phone and he was speaking a bit about the intervention and what happened um, at some of the panels that were uh, reviewing what happened in the, over the 10 years of, that in, of the intervention. Listeners may recall that the Do and Time show provided extensive coverage about what happened to the teens in the Northern Territory. Spit hoods, torture and tear gas. We will speak with Dylan today. Not so much about that because I'm sure he's um, spoken quite a lot about that in the media. But we'd like to speak to Dylan about his release from prison and look at his perspective about solutions. What can be done to help young people today, in particular Aboriginal people? After that, we'll speak with Ken Cannings from Istra, Sydney about a protest demanding an end to Aboriginal deaths in custody. Rebecca May, 36, was found dead in a cell at Maitland Police Station at 6am on July 19th. She was the first Aboriginal death in New South Wales police custody since 2000. We will focus on Rebecca May from a, and, and look at answers and look at what could have been done to prevent that death and, and actually look at the protest that's, uh, that's happening in New South Wales. So, yeah, I'll be um, ca- um, doing an announcement now playing an announcement and um, putting Dylan through shortly for our first interview. Want to support 3CR's diverse and independent voices? Well, it's not too late and we still need your support. Donate now by calling 9419 8377 or donate online at www.3cr.org.au or post us a cheque or money order to Post Office Box 1277, Collingwood 3066. And you're back with the Doing Time show. Uh, Dylan has been unavailable, so we may need to speak to him later on in the show. Um, We've had some technical difficulties around that, but in the meantime, we'll instead speak with Ken. Ken Cannings from Istja. Hello, Ken. Hello. How are you today? Good. <laughs> not too bad, Ken. Not not too bad. I hope everything's okay for you to do to do the interview. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm um, home and uh, that's lovely. Out of noise of traffic. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, Ken, we I would just um, introduced the the material about the the protest that's coming up that Istja Sydney is organising, and I believe you're from Istja yourself. Yeah. yeah? Yeah, yeah, I'm a member of this yeah. So, Could you um, just talk about the protest and, and discuss um, 
what actually happened to Rebecca? I believe it was an Aboriginal death in custody. And let yep. us know some of the demands of the protest. Well, the protest is on uh, Wednesday, the 19th of July at 11.30, uh, North End of Hyde Park where the fountain is. We're going to Parliament House and our demands are, <laughs> are quite simple. What happened? Uh, why was she arrested? Now, he, there's a lot of very, very unusual and suspicious circumstances around the arrest of uh, um, young Miss Mars that um, she was... The first report was she was arrested for being drunk and disorderly, uh, which was not the case. Um, the second report was uh, coming from the police was uh, they received a phone call. They haven't said who, who from yet, a member of the public, but she was um, right. acting in a disorientated manner. Subsequently, um, toxicology reports had come back and said there was no drugs or alcohol in the system whatsoever. So the question begged, why was she even picked up in the first place? Absolutely. The question begs. Now, the second point is where they really, this really infuriates me, is that um, the police at Maitland, when they were, they were asked, they were asked directly by the Aboriginal Legal Service, why didn't you enact the custody notification service? They said, we didn't know she was an Aboriginal person. And the legal service was straight back on them and said, look, an incident happened some time ago, a minor incident, where you notified us and told us she was an Aboriginal person because you uh, enacted the custody notification service on her then. So she, we got, uh, and the legal service said, well, we don't know everybody in the area, so we don't know who's Aboriginal and who's not, but you told us this woman is Aboriginal. So we've got our information of her Aboriginality from um, you people. And they couldn't answer that. They they kept saying to her, you know, uh, kept putting on to her, well, why didn't you enact the custody notification service? And they still have not given any clear answer as why they didn't enact the custody notification service. The only thing they've ever said is we didn't know she was an Aboriginal person. Well, the reason we knew about Rebecca Barr was from them, from the coppers themselves. So uh, two, two glaring points there. If the toxicology report says there's no drug and alcohol in the system, um, why was she picked up? If they say a member of the public um, rang and said she was uh, in a distressed manner or acting in a distressed manner, uh, why not? Why not that person come forward? Yeah. Why don't we know about this mysterious person? It's like I could ring up and say you're acting a bit irrationally. Pick her up, you know. So that's yeah. a bit ridiculous. Um, if we're to take that word on it, well, the cops would be running around all night. I'm sure that you know you'd like to play a prank on your neighbour and say, "My neighbour's a bit distraught, distraught or distressed. Uh, let's lock them up for the night." So the other thing is, without the custody notification service, this woman died. Is it? Their neglect was that uh, she shouldn't have been arrested in the first place. Then their neglect comes into play. Is she's left in a cell for six hours without anybody checking her? She died. Now, we haven't got any information from the coronial, uh, coroner's report yet of the cause of death. There's been no information given out uh, on the cause of death. We're still, there's a whole lot of unanswered questions. She's unsupervised for six hours. And so she's dead. The police killed her. It's as simple as that. Now, they've either done it directly or they've done it through sheer and utter negligence of duty which caused her death. And that, to me, is the same as a murder. It is what, indeed. What is surprising here, what's surprising here, and this happens, Marissa, you, you, you know the same yourself, this happens time and time yep. and time again, that the police commit offences while on duty, yep. 
Now, that criminal acts, if, you, if, you, if you're a civilian and you cause death by negligence, you'll go to jail. But if you're in a government position, you'll be stood aside until the court case is over. These people are still on active duty. Now, they didn't enact the CNS. They should have been stood down immediately. The people responsible should have been stood down from duties immediately. And Absolutely. The fact that somebody is dead, as it should have been even doubly so. They should not be on active duty. These people are incapable of doing their jobs. The proof of the matter is a young woman lost her life at their hands. They're incapable of doing their jobs. That's the very least. At the very worst, they've got stuck into her and killed her. That's Why the didn't worst. they ring the notification service anyway? That, that was active at the time in New South Wales. Wasn't it? Well, it was active at the time. No, we have never never received, us or the family have never received a reason from the New South Wales Police Force yeah. why that was not enacted. They refused to answer that question. No. The it's... only answer they've ever given was we didn't we didn't know she was an Aboriginal person. That's rubbish. It That's is. Other, other, other rubbish. We, only, we knew the Aboriginal Legal Service, uh, as soon as her, the, her name came out, the Aboriginal Legal Service knew she was an Aboriginal death in custody because the Maitland police on another occasion had enacted a CNS on her. So why not this time? So Rebecca was is a mother of four and a yes. Wurundjeri woman? Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, the, the, the other thing too, six hours left unattended and then it was a further six hours after they found her body uh, that they took to notify her mother. Oh, what was going on there? Why take that long? Yeah. This whole case stinks of corrupt Absolutely. killing. And, you know, this is, this is again, I don't call them deaths in custody anymore. They're murders in custody. If, yep. it, if, it, was, if it could be preventable, and it's not, it's a murder. A death in custody implies that the person could have just died of natural causes. Um, even if this woman had died of an illness... The neglect and not enacting the CNS, that was the cause of death. That's a murder. Absolutely. And by, by leaving her in a cell for six hours unattended, if there was something wrong with her, that was intentionally done. I mean, you can't sit in a police station, leave somebody there for six hours and not look at them. That's an, that's an act of intent. That's murder. And it certainly um, contravenes the, the Royal Commission, um, the well, recommendations it, it, of the Royal Commission. Well, it certainly contravenes a lot of the recommendations of the Royal Commission, but it contravenes something that they actually... Hardly anything got uh, enacted upon in the Royal Commission, but the Custody Notification Service certainly did in New South Wales, and they they failed to enact on it. They breached their duties. They should not be working. That's the whole point. They should not indeed, and police should not be investigating police. Yeah, you can't have the police invest. No, 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 that, that, that's got to go. You know, you've got to have an independent uh, legal legal bodies that investigating these people. They're going to cover themselves up. You can't arrest somebody and then find out there's no reason for the arrest and then that person's dead after not being checked on in custody and the, the whole breacher protocol from the Royal Commission is just thrown out the window. You can't have another copper investigating them. They'll sit down over a few beers, the same as having the in the case of Hurley, when he was first investigated in the first few assault charges. His Cameron mate sat down in his veranda on a few beers and they, they had a few drinks together and uh, yeah. 
and then he was found that the, he had no case to answer. That was before he killed Mr. Doomingy. Uh, do, do we want to see repeats of this again and again and again? And if they allow police to investigate police, particularly in country towns like that, it will be done in the Maitland public bar while those two, while they're having a big laugh together. Yeah, so, it's you pathetic. know, the whole system's an absolute joke. It's rotten and racist and corrupt. It is. It, it, it's, it's entirely racist. And the whole thing is a complete imbalance because if it was you or I who acted like that, we'd be in prison now. Yeah, I These mean... people are still on duty, yeah. allegedly upholding the law. These are the people that are supposed to be uh, keeping the peace and upholding the law and ensuring nobody breaks the law. They're breaking it themselves in the worst possible way. They're causing death. What's interesting too, Ken, is I don't know if you have seen this pattern, but certainly in Victoria alone, um, I've read a few reports where you know, young young white men have been picked up for being drunk and disorderly, or young mm-hmm. white women. And, yeah, sure, they, they they go into custody, but they're released to their parents, you know, yes. um, or driven within home, five hours. Correct. Happens here in and around Sydney. Um, some, sometimes I don't even, the young white kids don't make it to themselves. They get driven home to their parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teenage so, kids get driven home, their parents, our kids, get locked up. They get locked up, so, exactly. So, you know, this is something that's got to be addressed right across the board. Why, if, you, why if you're a white white boy, white girl, running around blind drunk, are you just a young person sowing their wild oats? You young young black kid uh, out drunk or, you know, mucking around, you're a danger to society. Why? And you, you potentially, you know, well, this, this is that serious that if... Any of any of our people, and we've been saying I've been saying this for many years now. Any of our people um, picked up for any offence, it's potentially a death sentence, and this proves it. This woman got picked up for doing nothing. Exactly, she was and now she was apparently on. seen walking intoxicated. The police were concerned for her welfare. Why didn't they take her to the notification service? Well, Especially if they, if they were concerned for her welfare, they would have enacted the custody notification service. One of our people would have been there if there was a sign of any ill, Ill health yes. or anything. Uh, a doctor would have been there. She would be with us today. We wouldn't be going through this. Her mother wouldn't be going through the whole trauma. Absolutely. Of, you know, losing a child and having to raise her grandchildren. Now she's going through trauma. And this is what they do to us, and they don't care because they're not... If if any human being cared, they would ta- had any care whatsoever, they would take responsibility for their actions, even if it meant they were going to pay the penalty for it. They would take responsibility. They do not care. Absolutely. And ISTJA, with the family approval, is organising a rally to march to Parliament to yes. demand answers? Yeah, the parents, uh, the, the, the family does, don't want to be in it. I think, you know, it's it's a small town where they are and it's, um, you know, uh, it's a bit risky for them. But they, we've got permission to hold the rally for, um, from the uh, family. And, yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be trying to make a bit of noise about this so it won't... Uh, this can't, you know, it's just getting too much, and we say it all the time. We can't let these deaths. We're still fighting for answers for TJ Hickey, you know, That's 11 right. years later. Uh, people are still fighting for answers for deaths over murders over 40 years ago. Absolutely. We can't let any one of them go. We it... can't let any one of these deaths go um, unanswered. We've just got to keep going. Look at the bearable people that, you know, although a policeman didn't do that, the police certainly didn't investigate it, and there was some. Um, Absolutely. Uh, issues of police cover-ups, uh, you know, over a quarter of a century, and they might get justice, might. It's just a might at the moment. You can't, we, we, you know, and this is, this is how long it's taking our, 
our families and our people to fight for justice. That doesn't help happen in any other race of people on this planet. Absolutely. It's 7 in 88 all over again. And, and in fact, Ken, when, when I spoke to Patricia, who is the auntie of Daniel Briscoe, you would have um, understood mm-hmm. that, that that was the case when he was killed in, in custody. Mm custody she said all deaths in custody which is cool i I mean i get that we have to look at all deaths however you know we can't alter the fact that aboriginal people uh have died at a more alarming rate ken um we've actually got our next interview on the line we've managed to grab him (laughs) right young dylan tell him good day for me i will you know dylan do you well, I haven't met him. We've all spoken over the phone, but I know lovely his young man. very well. And uh, yep. his sister Kira, they're lovely people. And he's a good kid himself. He's doing, I'll tell you what, yep. this fella, he's, uh, he hasn't let him beat him. He's I've got pretty a lot amazing. Of time for this young fella. Yeah. yeah, and I'm hoping we can we can talk to him. But Ken, I really appreciate your flexibility and thank you so much and good luck with the protest. And we'll be, we'll be talking with you shortly. Thanks very much. Thanks See a you lot. Bye bye. Take now. care. Bye. And that was Ken Cannings from Istja, Sydney. Um, next up, I believe we have um, Dylan on the line. Hello, hello, Dylan. Welcome to the program. Uh, thank you. Great to have you. Yeah, thank you. It's approximately 4.16 and you're listening to the Dylan Time Show. And we just finished speaking to Ken Cannings from Istra, Sydney, about um, Rebecca Ma, who died in custody. And actually, Dylan, Ken says hello. Do you remember Ken? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I heard him. Yeah, I've got a few yarns with him. Yeah, he's pretty pretty cool. Yeah. So, Dylan, I'm wondering if you could start off. Um, you did join us briefly in the studio last week, and I think your battery was flat on your phone. <laughs> yeah. But I'm wondering if you could just talk to us a little bit, not so much about what happened inside, because I'm sure you've been, you've talked a lot about that, haven't you, about what happened yeah. in, in the prison. And we all know about that, but I'm wondering if you could talk more about your release and what what happened and some of the, you're with Bushmob now, right? Um, no, that finished? Actually, I've actually completed that program about um, a month ago. Could you tell us about that program and, and, and what, what support you got out of it? Um, all right, that program is actually a wonderful kind of a program. Um, I got a lot of support from them guys. Them, most of the workers that day, I mean, Will McGregor and that, they come to work just to be able to do their job. And they give them more support than most programs and rehabilitation centers. They helped me a lot when I was there. That's great. So what sorts of, um, what sorts of activities did you do, Dylan? I'm a guy at Bush riding horses, um, barbecues. Yep. They help us get our driver's licenses or help us find work, go to school. Fantastic. And so how did you get released? What what actually happened? Because I know that one stage you, you, you were going to serve the rest of your sentence, weren't you? Yeah. Um, so the parole process kept denying me parole, denying me parole. And I actually took a few goes. My lawyers tried for a prerogative of mercy. That was knocked back, and then we applied to have my sentence changed. And uh, Justice Barr gave me bail to see how I'd go for four months. And then he gave me bail, and I proved myself and finished the push my rehabilitation program. And then he changed my sentence to a suspended sentence, and now I've got three months left, and then I'm completely free. How do you feel about that? It's a weird feeling. I've never been pretty much... I've only been free once since I was 11 years old, so... 
weird feeling. To be honest, I'm actually really glad that um, all that stuff that happened um, to you guys inside, all the the spit hoods and the chair restraint and everything, it sparked the Royal Commission into youth in, into youth detention. Yeah. Are you? How, how do you feel about that commission? What, what do you do? You think that commission helped or not? I do, but it just depends on what the recommendations come out of it, and if the Northern Territory government is going to action those recommendations. But the recommend um, the Royal Commission should have been expanded way further than Northern Territory. I mean, I've seen stuff happening in, and heard of stuff happening happening in Queensland, Sydney. So I think there needs to be a more of an investigation into those detention centres and youth places, rehabilitation centres, whatever it is, over in other states as well. You know, I'll tell you something, Dylan. I remember really clearly reading a report and your sister is just such a strong advocate for you and, and she said that while you were in prison you would have reacted with kindness. That's true, isn't it? Yeah. What sort of support do you think you could have got in, in prison? I think just the guards, instead of wanting to restrain us more, be able to sit down and have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And those that, that restraining, would you say it was mostly Aboriginal people or was it was it all young teens across the board? Um, funny to say that the juvenile centres up there are pretty much all Aboriginal anyway, but it was mainly Aboriginal. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, last week we were speaking about the intervention um, and what what happened on those panels, but the youth youth detention stuff, that's really a part of the intervention in a way, isn't it? Yeah. How would that be? Well, um, the intervention impacts Indigenous people too much. I mean, the restrictor laws, I mean, look at the out, no alcohol in town camp policy. Not only for youth people, but I guess the welfare don't really give much... Uh, juveniles and that chances or anything like that. Yeah. They don't really connect you back with family or anything like that either. That's right. So it, is it true that you're going to be leading a protest to shut down youth detention centres? Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, um, it's called the National, National Day of Action. Um, so we just want to be able to make sure that the Royal Commission is going to implement and the government's going to implement stuff. And we think that there's more solutions than detention centres. I mean, at the start of the Royal Commission, we heard about things like the healing centres and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I have, with many of other people, think that this is a good idea. Even possibly, I mean, there's a lot of remote communities around Alice Springs and around Australia. And if you look go to those communities, all you can see is non-Indigenous people running those communities now. They run in, they own the shops, they run the shops. Yep. Why can't we have these young kids that are getting in trouble going into prison, taking out bush, and instead of, you know, torturing them, restraining them, abusing them, making them feel like they're nothing, why can't we have them working in our shops and running the shops around the communities or working and building their cattle yards and stuff like that? Yeah, with a decent With a decent wage, not... I mean, in the, in the detention centres these days, and the eighth, even the adult prison. I mean, I know people... While I was working in there, cutting grass, cutting the prison's grass, and doing maintenance on the ground and stuff for $20 a week, where someone on the outside will get $2,000 for. Yeah. Degrading, so isn't it? Pretty much slave labour all over again, but hiding it. 
Yeah. So, so you're saying that if those kids can be taken at bush, that would that would have benefited them far more. Exactly. Put them out there with the elders and let you know make unite. I mean, at the moment, it's too much. White people can do better. Black people can do better. What? Get together and mix it with a bit of you know um, non-indigenous and indigenous. I mean, um, indigenous have that. People have their answers to what our kids need. I mean, back in the days, the, uh, Dr. Janini at the conference, even he said, you know. Um, take them out bush with the elders, leave them out there for a couple of weeks with just the elders, you know, give them basic water and sit down and let the elders talk to them to sort the problems out. Absolutely. And I'll tell you something, Dylan. I, along with um, my other radio broadcasters in here in the Doing Time show, we interviewed the Human Rights Law Centre in 2015, long before the, the Four Corners special came out. You know, yeah. like the government knew a long time before that Four Corners published the material that that people were suffering in there. That's yeah. what really gets to me. Exactly. And, I mean, I've just had the welfare department up here. Um, I'm not being given proper answers, but some of my welfare files have been found out at the dump, out of the tip shop on for sale. For what? Uh, out of the tip shop where everyone goes and chucks all their old cabinets and stuff like that, the Department of... Children's and families didn't empty out their cabinet, cabinet or anything before they dropped it off there. My files were, along with, uh, I think it was 33 different clients of the Department of Children's and Families files were found out at the tip shop. And where are they now? Oh, they said they've got some of it back, but they can't count up all of it there. Yeah, it's, 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 it's appalling. And, I mean, to be honest, I'm not really interested in, in talking about what you're in for. To me, that's not really you know, important because what's important is that you have healed and that, you know, that you're you're going to serve out your sentence and you're, you're going to be happy and, and yep. get on with your life and, and not, you know, and, and, and not have any more crimes. Yeah. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's approximately 4.25 and you're listening to an interview with Dylan. Um, and, and Dylan... Also, just one last question in in regards to just to talk a little bit more about solutions. Um, what else? What other supports do you think you need now? I think um, I've got enough support to get me through. I think there's a, there's a lot of other young kids that's still in there, and even adults that need a lot more support. Um, yes. I guess the people in there aren't getting it. I guess I'm just lucky that my face got special over the TV, and I got a bit more support from everyone around Australia and around the world. Yeah. But, I mean, that's not the point. The point is that I'm not the only one that got tortured to me. There's a lot of other people that had to suffer. Thank I you. Mean, and those young kids don't get enough recognition. I mean, who knows what's going on there now? Like, none of those guards were acquitted. Exactly. It's it's really quite frightening. Yeah. I mean, I was saying before, it's 1788 all over again. You know, there's there's been changes, but then there, there hasn't been enough. Dylan, thank you so much for coming onto the program, and hopefully we can have you on um, as an update once once that protest happening is happening. Yeah, well, if everyone all over the country should tune in and find out where their uh, local statesman will be held, I mean, trying to get the right permission to sit down in Sydney Harbour Bridge, um, Alice Springs, we're trying to get everyone to join in all over to get better outcomes instead of detention centres and get better outcomes for our youth. Absolutely, and and Dylan, you know, I don't mean to sound to sound overbearing, but do be careful, won't you? At that yeah. protest, we don't want the cops, you know, trying to get you again. 
Yeah, no, we want a peaceful protest with the right approval. Absolutely. Good on you, Dylan. Thanks so much. And on behalf of the Doing Time Show, um, you know, we, we support all, all youth. Thanks a lot. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. And that was Dylan Voller, um, who spoke about a number of issues um, and in, in particular spoke about a lot of solutions um, that, could, that could be happening within youth detention um, and, and without as well, for, in particular for young Aboriginal people. It's approximately 4.27 and we're going to be going in with a song now um, while we wait for our third interview. And this song is by Kutcher Edwards and it's called Why. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And, yeah, we're just going to be speaking with Vicky Roach now um, uh, from, from New South Wales, from Sydney. Hello, Vicky. Welcome to the program. Hi, Marissa. How are you? Good, good. Now, are you comfortable? Do, do you want us to call you back or are you okay? You all right? Um, no, no, I'm good. Okay. Yeah, but it's great to have you, Vicky. Um, yeah, I, we just finished speaking to Dylan, actually. Oh, okay. I, I, I wasn't listening. <laughs> no, no, but that's okay. You can always listen to it on the internet during the week. But Dylan um, actually spoke a lot about um, solutions to what can happen with young people. In, in detention, it was really interesting. Oh, look, he, Dylan's going to be a wonderful role model up there. Absolutely, absolutely. And and what was particularly striking about the interview, Vicky, is that um, he spoke a lot about um, the fact that all youth need to be helped. It wasn't just in the Northern Territory but across the whole of Australia. No, well, that's right. And, and you see now all the stories coming out in other states uh, of of similar abuses occurring and, and children being put in adult centres. Um, there should have, right from the very start, been a National Royal Commission. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Vicky, last week um, I organised with, with um, Merit, the, the media coordinator there with Rollback the Intervention, to speak to to Dylan um, about the intervention, but we didn't get to, to speak to him much because his battery was flat. No. And, <laughs> and I feel that we didn't really get a, a cross-section of people to, to speak about what happened on the panels, and we thought we'd invite you on the show just for you to talk about um, what happened, what your experiences were in the Northern Territory, um, and, and who was on the panel, and, and, and your own speech, of course. What was talked well, about? Well, the, the, the panel I was on was just myself and Dylan, and um, a, a lot of people found that um, I don't know. I suppose a bit confronting because here's Dylan, uh, not yet twenty, and here's me, not quite sixty, and we're, we've both been through similar abuses in the same system, and and like I'm just going through the Royal Commission for things that happened to me. 50 years ago, and exactly the same things are still happening now, and I'm sitting next to a young man that even worse things have happened to. You know, nothing, nothing's changed, nothing, nothing's gotten any better, and, and you know, Alice Springs, the Northern Territory, is, 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 it's like a war zone. Tell us about that. It's, oh, it is it, 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 Imagine Palestine. Yep. 
It's like the place has been bombed, except it hasn't. Yeah. It's just been bombed with poverty. And, and the poverty is imposed. It's um, enforced, if anything. Um, it, it, as a city girl, I, I was just totally culture shocked and, yeah. and couldn't believe that a, a whole town could could treat people in this way. But they do. And, and the saddest thing for me was was finding that uh, so many people were used to it. You know, they mean, it's, it's normal. Yeah, it's not. They don't like it. Um, but it's kind of resignation, I suppose. You know, Vicky, I can relate. I, I went to the Northern Territory myself. It was um, some years ago now, but that, I'm sure it hasn't changed that much. You know, you had Aboriginal people um, living on the beach, you know, um, and p- police everywhere. Oh, that was, that was the, the most confronting thing, the, the cops. Um, yeah. Like, I, I came home and just walked into a bottle shop and, you know, I don't have to worry about a thing. You know, I, I didn't actually out there either. Um, but even that made me feel bad. I wanted them to hassle me, but um, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> hey, mate. <laughs> Maybe you need a glass of wine to chill out, eh, Vicky? <laughs> so you, so you were talking a bit before about how you were sitting with with Dylan on this panel and. You know, you ha- there was a rain. You know, you you're a different age to him, and you're saying the same things have happened. When you say the same things, can you tell us a little bit about that? That the same things well, have happened to you. Well, we didn't have the um, all this. <laughs> they they call it modern technical stuff, yep. like the mechanical restraints and the spit hoods. Um, we had straight jackets, yep, um, and they just throw you in a cell. Same um, thing. Yeah, 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 pretty much. And and the physical and sexual abuse uh, was pretty much the same too. Um, but it's it, it so, well, I suppose it was back then too, condoned. Like um, everybody thinks it's okay because these people have done something wrong and they deserve what they get. But they don't. Mm-hmm. Nobody deserves that. And we no. need communities. Nobody deserves that. No. That's all right. And, and just, like, I, I could feel how traumatised Dylan would be from being treated like that. Um, but to his credit, he's he come through it a, a strong young man. Yeah, I called him up just before he was being interviewed and he said, oh, I'm just getting a haircut. And I just thought, you know, it's the little things that matter. You know, he was getting a haircut and the other day he was at work and all those things that you can't have in prison, you can't just go and have a haircut or go and eat something, you know? No, he went out with a girl the other night, you know? <laughs> we, yeah. we better be careful we don't say too much. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful. Like, it's, it's – I'm so happy for him and I'm and as he said – in the interview, you know, he hopes that there's... Imagine the young people that are still suffering in prison and we were talking about the fact that the guards hadn't even been acquitted. 
you know, had been acquitted or, or hadn't even been charged? Um, oh, oh, no, I think it might have been just speaking at the Royal Commission. Yeah. But one of, one of them, his defence, was that, that he had um, a childlike IQ. Look, what the, what the hell was the guy doing with a childlike IQ? Yeah. Well, what was he doing in there? In the first place. I know. You know I, I know we hire prison guards for their low IQs, so they'll take orders. <laughs> but that's ridiculous. And um, Get them to do counselling. Why don't they go and do training for counselling and then put them back, see what happens? What, the... The guards. The guards. Train them. <laughs> no, the, the way they train them, they, they train know. them to be like that. That's right. They, they train them to dehumanise. Um, like the people that they're supposed to be supervising, um, they train them to dehumanise them so that they can carry out those duties. So it, it, it's a Stanford experiment. Have, I don't know if you would have uh, come across that. It's quite old. It goes back to the seventies. Mm. People might, might be even the sixties. Yep. Um, and just got a bunch of students said you're you're the guards, and another bunch and said you're the you're the prisoners, and lock them in a in a basement, and within a couple of days, or within six days, I think it was, they, they had to call off the experiment because the guards had become so brutal towards the uh, inmates who were all just acting. Well, that's why all the spit hoards happened, happened, you know, the fact that they had to defecate into pillows and all sorts of things. Well, that you know. allows the guards to further dehumanise you because look what he did. He shat in his pillowcase, you know. Mm. Well, look what look what he did. He spat in my face, you know. It's, yeah. it's all um, you, they kind of force you into those positions, correct? And then and then call call your name. So it's the us and them mentality. I mean, Dylan was mentioning a solution, for example, you know, take with the elders. You know, take the young the young people out bush, so they can connect more with the elders, and then it would be better. You know what, just about every single person I spoke to up there, and, and look, not just up there, everywhere I've been, Sydney, Victoria, Queensland, Adelaide, oh, I haven't been to Perth, um, but everywhere I've been, um, that's what all the elders say. Believe me, Vicky, I've been yes. to Perth, yes. and it's it's all, honestly, from my perspective, it's almost it's almost like the Northern Territory. You, you have police... Now, look at what happened with Miss Dew, for example, you know? Yes, yes. Ten years ago, the Howard government sent the army into 73 remote Aboriginal communities in the Northern Territory, and it was a move many described as an act of war. Officially known. An absolutely. And it's still going on. It's still going on, isn't it? Yep. You know, and, and I suppose there were lots of other panels too, weren't there, of, of elders, of people that had been through the intervention, hadn't, wasn't there? Yes. Yes, there was um, yeah. a lot of people spoke, and a lot of people from from all around too. Um, one one particular lady I remember especially came from um, Uluru. Uh, she's uh, Mudajulu, and she'd been very active in stopping um, the nuclear waste dumps at Nakati. Oh yes, um, yep. deeply spiritual woman. Oh, so many. So many of them that I met up there were, and the connection to the land is palpable. Absolutely. 
Well, anyway, there was absolutely no consultation um, and that continues to the present day. None. And, and the military occupation continues in, in, the, in the police force. Absolutely. Like, it, it shocked me to walk into a bottle shop and like there's two policemen and a security guard checking oh. my and and if that if how many police is that standing on bottle shop doors I oh, know you know making making sure no one gets a drink that they are not supposed to and and what they do up there is, is the cops will even wait for for the person to buy alcohol and then say you'll let them actually go in and buy it and, and wait till they come out and say, you're not allowed to have that and tip it out in front of them. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's lots of bylaws about that here too. Oh, well, it's not as bad, but... Well, not that it's not as bad. It's a different form here in, in Melbourne. And, you know, Vicky, and, I just thought... The cops, the cops drive around in, in utes with cages on yeah. the back. That, <gasps> that's, their, that's their divvy van. That's their yeah, the divvy van. Yeah. The dog catcher van. Oh, my God. There's an interesting... Um, synchronising thing here going on. Isn't it interesting that you and Dylan were on the same panel and now you and Dylan both got interviewed today on the show? Yeah, I'm sorry I missed Dylan. I've just been flat out doing other things. But, yeah, I'm sorry I missed Dylan. He's he's really um, articulating. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah, and people are, are, are hearing it. And finally... People are listening. Finally. And by the way, it's NAIDOC week too. Happy NAIDOC. Happy NAIDOC. And just for <laughs> so that for the benefit of listeners, um, NAIDOC week is celebrating Indigenous Australia. I mean, is there much to celebrate? But <laughs> well, <that's laughs> maybe right. I better stop. No, but it is. It's, it's a good thing because it's National Aborigines and Islands Day Observance Week. And it began in the 1920s, didn't it, Vicky, when Aboriginal groups started to campaign against the discriminatory treatment that Indigenous Australians faced? Well, that's right. That's right. Um, it's gone through some changes over the years and and sometimes I fear it's been taken over by... Um, yeah, uh, I know. You know the, the Indigenous Corporation... Yeah. Type. Thing, but um, yep, we'll see. And it may, it yep. may come back full circle again. Absolutely, but I'm glad you mentioned that, Vicky, because you know we always have to have to question. And I'm, the reason why I like having you on the show is because you're straight up, and that's what I like about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I probably say a lot of things that people don't agree with, but um, but then I'm good at that. <laughs> no, good. <laughs> Me too. Well, that's why that's what three CR is about, isn't it? Three CR is about, and in particular, well, not in particular, but um, the Doing Time Show and other shows um, look at promoting the, you know, looking at minority groups, and it's providing a safe environment for people to speak their mind. Yeah, and and we we thank you for it. It's somebody who's got to be able to get our voices out there, and particularly. Um, People in prison, people who go to prison, um, are not favourite enough. Nobody, you know, it's not a sexy cause to nope. support or anything like that. Um, and people will 
make fun of you, put you down, yep. um, denigrate you for thinking that people don't belong in cages. That's exactly right. Vicky, thank you so much for coming onto the program and I'm hoping we can have more of these enlightening discussions. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Nice talking to you, Marissa. You too, Vicky. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that was Vicky Roach, who's been on our show quite a few times and we enjoy um, her perspectives and um, talking about a range of issues, in particular the intervention panels that happened last week in the Northern Territory. And indeed, there were lots of... Um, Solidarity events that happened in Sydney also, and uh, and Melbourne too. And just in while we're on the subject of NAIDOC Week, which was one of the topics we discussed this year, the theme is our languages matter, and this focus is to emphasise the essential role that Indigenous languages play in cultural identity, linking people to their land and water, their history, spirituality, and rights through story and song. And that was actually a direct quote from um, from our late the latest mini news news mini news sorry, and uh, yeah, and so that that was um, to do with workers' rights that newsletter, and and I believe there's a show on here as well on three CR. Anyway, we're nearing the end of our show, but I wanted to just um, focus on talking a little bit about the beyond the beyond the bars um, live broadcasts that are happening. So we'll just go into an announcement. You've got to remember, NAIDOC's a special day for us, fellas. That's a reminder who we are. Every year for NAIDOC Week, 3CR Community Radio gives voice to our Indigenous brothers and sisters through Beyond the Bars, Australia's only live prison broadcast. I am a black, black man. NAIDOC means a lot to me. It's about identity and also about past and present. NAIDOC means a lot to me for my family and my people. You can access audio from current and past Beyond the Bars broadcasts via the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars and either listen to or download audio from Australia's only live prison broadcasts. Happy NAIDOC! And you're back with the Doing Time show and it's approximately 4.49. And I just wanted to read out um, more about Beyond the Bars. It's a unique and one-of-a-kind radio project giving a voice to brothers and sisters on the inside from Victorian prisons and correctional centres. Tune in to hear the deadly solid sounds coming to you directly from behind the bars. Now, Monday has already been, obviously, but today which is the 3rd of July from 11 till 2pm, there was a broadcast from Dame Phyllis Frost Centre and you can probably still download that audio. Um, The Tuesday, the 4th of July, which is tomorrow from 11 till 2pm, is um, the broadcast from Barwon Prison. Wednesday, the 5th of July, 12 till 2pm, is Fulham Correctional Centre. 2 till 4pm on the same day, Middleton Prison. Thursday, the 6th of July, 12 till 3pm, Port Phillip Prison. Friday the 7th of July, 11th till 2pm, Marigot Correctional Centre. Yeah, so I, I wanted to read those out. Not everybody has access to the internet. Um, and, and also, we there is a listenership inside, and I'm hoping that, um, you know, that, that prisoners can, can listen to this show and, and hear that they may be able to tune in. And I'm sure there are lots of prisoners involved anyway in there. 
So happy NAIDOC week once again. Um, thank you to our guests for coming in thank, or for speaking on the show. Thank you to Dylan and Vicky and also Ken Cannings um, who spoke about Aboriginal deaths in custody. Um, it's approximately 4.50 and um, also just a bit of a reminder about Radiothon. Want to support 3CR's diverse and independent voices? Well, it's not too late and we still need your support. Donate now by calling 9419 or donate online at www.3cr.org.au or post us a cheque or money order to Post Office Box 1277, Collingwood 3066. Help 3CR support the rights of Indigenous Australians. They mean to save our culture and save our dreams, our footprints, dreams, our songline, and keep our culture going strong. Of course, a lot of the Aboriginals, having been stolen, were put into state care, and also others. The recognition were. of what our people have been through in the last 200 years, the recognition of our culture in the last 40,000 years, and the recognition of where we are heading into the future. Welcome to uh, Survival Day, Invasion Day. 223 years ago, the white man landed on our shores. Subscribe to 3CR and help keep Indigenous voices on air. Call us on 94198377 or visit 3cr.org.au. Subscribe now. This is Irene Bolger, former Secretary of the Nurses' Federation in Victoria. Throughout the nurses' dispute in 1986, and the waterfront dispute in 1998, 3CR was always there broadcasting the voices of workers in struggle. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio and we're broadcasting live from the Bay to Chicken Strike here in Melbourne. We've just seen all of the thousands of nurses walk through to their meeting and people from different unions showing their solidarity. 3CR, radio for the workers, by the workers since 1976. And you're back with the Doing Time show, and it's approximately 4.53. Thank you to Rob also for producing um, as well, and um, a cheerio to to Peter, who's who's not here today. So, yeah, um, we're going to be going out presently with our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella, from the Rumpy Band. And stay tuned um, every every week, every Monday from 4 to 5 p.m., for the Doing Time show. So we've got a little bit of time left. It's approximately 4.53. And I'm going to be actually playing two songs. Actually, actually, no, we might not have time. I'm going to actually go out with an announcement. I'll say goodbye now. I'll go out with an announcement and then we'll play um, our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella, from the Rumpy Band. It's Beyond Zero up next. Thanks so much. Take care, everybody, and I hope you enjoy the show.